Um, I want to I want to uh, dedicate this uh, sermon today to a friend of mine, my friend Tony, uh, Tony Cassina from New York. Tony uh, is an old uh, bandmate of mine, and he's a Christian, and uh, he watches the sermons on on uh, Facebook. He said he said, Rick, I love your sermons, but you're 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 back. You're always bending down, and your glasses, you know. I said, I said, Tony, the, the, the music stand is broken. I can't adjust it. And my daughter, Stacy, whom I love dearly, doesn't help the situation because when she leans on it, it goes down. And then I can't get it up. So we had a nice little chat about that. So about, about a week later, I get this package in the mail. And this is the package right here. It's, it's adjustable. It's, it's nice, you know. So Tony said, make sure it's up high enough so I don't have to bend over so far. It'll help it go better. So, Tony, this is for you. <laughs> anyway, um, we have a new topic to talk about this month. Uh, if you've been here for the whole year in January, the whole month of January was dedicated to sermons about faith. And the whole month of February was dedicated to sermons about fasting. And by the way, our fasting is over as of well, last night. So thank you for everyone that participated in that. I uh, heard some great testimonies. And, and during that time of fasting, actually, the Lord put something on my heart to preach about in March, and that is the topic of love. And uh, love is a very, very broad topic, you, you'll see, a uh, very important topic to talk about. Uh, sometimes the Lord puts things on the pastor's heart to share because he needs to be thinking about those things himself. And I need to be thinking about love and what it means to be in the love of God. And, and I'm sure many of you need to be aware of what it means to be, you know, in love with God and have God work through you because life and relationships are difficult. You know what I mean? It's one thing to have a, a relationship with God. His love is so good and that's wonderful. But that's not all that it is. That's the beginning of what it is. The rest of it is here. It's, it's between believers it's between believers and non-believers. So love, love is the really true characteristic of the Christian faith. So on that note, um, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13. And uh, before this is over, we'll be looking at the whole chapter and one verse of chapter 14. I've entitled the message, Pursue Love. Um, and so this morning at the early service, we got through half of the message. So I'm going to have to get through half of the message now and Hopefully it works out with the same dynamic that we could end on a good place and continue at the same place next week. But 1 Corinthians 13, I just want to read verses 4 through 8. Now this is, this is not a wedding today. You may have heard these at a wedding. Uh, uh, it's okay for a wedding. It's good at a wedding, but it's good all the time anyway. But uh, Paul writes, love uh, suffers long, or love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself, and it's not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. It doesn't seek its own. It's not irritable or easily provoked. It thinks no evil. Uh, Love does not rejoice in sin or iniquity, but love rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never fails. Then down to verse number 13, it says, Abide now in faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Pursue love, it says in verse 1 of chapter 14. Pursue love and desire the spiritual gifts. And that tells tells me that love is something we can can grab hold of. 
spiritual gifts are gifts. They're given to whomever he wants to give them to. You know, there's a difference. But love we can pursue and grab hold of. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that. Let me pray real quick. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for everything so far. But we pray, Lord, that our hearts would be open to, to hear your voice today and apply your word to our lives. And uh, Lord, may we be better for it. Thank you, Lord, for the 21 days of prayer and fasting. We look now to see what will come of that. Everything's in your hands, and we just pray for a strong movement of your spirit upon our lives, upon our families, and upon our church. Lord, bless this sermon for your glory. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. So let me start by, by saying this. What, what is love? What is love? It's a good question. It's an age-old question. It's been the topic of numerous songs and poems and plays and movies and so forth for centuries. Um, a well-known idiom says, uh, love makes the world go round. Uh, a great song of several years ago is, uh, love is a many splendored thing. Uh, the Beatles said, uh, can't buy me love. And Tina Turner said, what's love got to do with it? And the Beatles also said, all you need is love. So love is a big deal. You know, we just don't know what it is. What is love? You know, we know this much. Love, love can break a heart. Love could soothe the soul. Love could move somebody into action. I remember when I fell in love with my wife, I was, I was moved to pursue her and marry her and live with her and live happily ever after. And I'm still pursuing her. But, but love does that. Up until that time, I could care less about anything, basically. But when I saw her and fell in love with her, boom, I was focused on, on getting her to be my wife. And praise God, it worked out. <laughs> love, love changes history. Love, love will change history. Um, this we do know. Love is complicated. It's often misunderstood. It's often misguided or even misused. Sometimes it's misappropriated. Love is hard to describe, but when you have it, you know that you have it. It's hard to put your finger on it. I want to talk about three areas of love in the first part of this message. And, and the three parts of this message are, are based on, first of all, God's love for the people he created. Right? That's, a, that's a big topic, but God made people, and I can't imagine uh, him making people and, and not loving them. You no, know, he made them and he loves them. So how does, what is that? How does that work? And then the secondly is the love within the body of Christ. You know, not only in a local church, but in, in the church at large. And then the third aspect is love from the body of Christ to the lost world out there. How does all that work? So when you study the topic of love in the Bible, you find out, not like in our language, in the, in the English language, there's one word for love, love. But it means a lot of different things. In other words, I love ice cream, but that love must be, has, better be a lot different than the love I have for my wife. <laughs> you know, I love baseball games, but, um, but the love I have for the Lord is not the same kind of love. But, um, so in our, in our culture, love covers a lot of different things. So you have to know what kind of love you're talking about which makes us get into a deeper discussion as to what we mean. But in the Hebrew and Greek, there were different words for love. So I want to present them to you as we get started today, uh, different types of love. The first known love uh, that we see is called a brotherly love. 
It's not within a family. It's like a, a friendship uh, love. You ever have a friend that was like, like a brother to you? That's, uh, that's called philia. Um, or another word is ahaba. In, in 1 Samuel 20, it says Jonathan loved David. And the word there is loved is ahaba, which means a friendship love. Unfortunately, some people have taken that word and, and misapplied it, mis, uh, misinterpreted it, and put, it, put a sexual connotation on it. This word has nothing to do with, with sex or romance. This is a brotherly love. This is friendship. This is a, a camaraderie type of a love. And when that happens, and I've, I've had, I have it now with many people, it's a really great feeling to have that. It's not a relative, but it's, it's someone close to you. Uh, Romans 12, 10, uh, Paul says, be kindly affectionate to one another with a brotherly love. That's where the city of Philadelphia got its name, Philia, the city of brotherly love. So that's one kind of love, you know, brotherly love, companionship, comradeship, friendship. That's one kind of love. Second kind of love is, is family love. It's love within the confines of a family between husband and wife, parents and kids, brothers and sisters, cousins, aunts and uncles, grandparents, and so forth. This word is called uh, storge, storge. Different than philia or ahaba is storge, different kind of love. We would say, well, I love my friend and, and I love my family, but, but there's a different kind of love there. So the Bible kind of spells it out. Exodus 20.12, in the giving of the Ten Commandments, Honor your father and mother. You'll love them with honor. Honor them. And uh, Ephesians 6, 2 says to respect your mother and father. or So honor and respect or love your family, your parents in that case. That's storge kind of love. Then the other, the third kind of love is, is romantic love. Uh, this is where we get the word eros or erotic from. This is a romantic or a sexual love within the confines of a marriage between a man and a woman. Uh, Song of Solomon is loaded with, with analogies about this kind of love. The first chapter is very descriptive of, a, of, of married love between a bride and the groom. It's very different than, uh, than philia. It's very different than stor- storge. It's eros love. It's an erotic, romantic love. But we're not going to talk about those kinds of love. We're going to talk about the fourth kind of love, and that is a sacrificial selfless, unconditional love of God is called agape love towards the people he created. Agape love is always demonstrated with something. Goodwill, benevolence, commitment, and it's always pure. Agape love never has strings attached to it. And if if we got into a discussion, you know, you could probably... Tell me some stories about love that you experienced with someone that had strings attached to it. I'll love you if, or I love you when I expect. But agape love has none of that. It's just given. It's demonstrated and poured out. The agape love expects nothing in return. So I want to go back to those, those three different topics and talk about the, the, the type of agape love uh, first of all, number one, that God has for the people that he created. I want you to turn with me in your Bible, because I want you to read this in your own Bible. Uh, Romans 5.8 is the first one. This is about agape love. This is agape love. This is regarding God's love for the people he created. Now, doesn't it make sense to think that the, the people he created, he would love? 
I can't imagine that the people he created he would not love. You know, so right off the bat, he created every, he created me and you, and he loves us. Not with philia or storge or eros love. He loves us with an agape love. Selfless, sacrificial, unconditional. There's nothing we could do about it. He's given it to every, every person he's created, he's given that love to. And in a sense, you could say that this kind of love is a risky love. Because not everyone whom he created is serving him. But his, that love is there for them as well. So Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own agape for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So who loved who first? Did God love us first or did we love him first? Well, God loved us first. Absolutely. He loved us before we even knew him. He had a plan in motion before we even recognized who or what he was. But he demonstrates his agape, he demonstrates his agape love by doing something for us. Christ died for us that we would have an opportunity to have a relationship with him. Love in action. Love that we could see and feel and sense in our spirit. This is the agape love of God toward people. Now go over to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great agape with which he agaped us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he has made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. His agape has made us alive in the Spirit. His agape did something to us and changed us so that we can have a relationship with him. John 3.16, God so agaped the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? He gave his son that whosoever would believe would not perish but would have everlasting life. So God's agape love, his thoughts, his feelings, his opinion, his attitude, all resulted in a tangible act of love and action which culminated with Jesus Christ on the cross. That's his love demonstrated for us. And like I said, I think it's, it's somewhat of a risky love on his part because not everyone receives his love. But something very interesting happens when we receive that love. And I know that you know this, but I want to tell you anyway. John chapter 1, John chapter 3, 2 Corinthians 5, talks about being born again, right? Being a new creation. Uh, John chapter 1 says, whoever does believe in him and believe in Christ, to them they're given the right to be called a child of God. So the child of God now has a relationship with the Father because of the love, the agape that he poured out over the whole world. And the percentage of Christian people is very small compared to the percentage of people that live in the world today. There's a remnant of believers that are serving God, but his love is available for everybody. Isn't that amazing when you think about it? You know, you think his love is just for the believer. No, his love is for everybody. It's given, it's there for everybody. So now, take your Bible, turn with me to Romans 5, 5. This is what I want you to see here. Romans 5, 5, it says, The agape of God, the love of God, 
The agape of God that you, that you received, right, has been poured out in your hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So when John 3, when it says you have to be born again by the Spirit, in Romans, when it says that your spirit bears witness with his spirit, we're children of God, that's a work of the agape of God. His love is poured out upon us, in us. And we have that agape now in our hearts. Hallelujah. And, but now that we have it in our hearts, uh, uh, well, Galatians 5, uh, 22, the fruit of the Spirit said, the first fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Agape. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. The first fruit is love. Agape. And that's for every Christian. Every Christian who is born again. Every Christian, every person who has received Christ, the Holy Spirit makes us born again. With that relationship, the agape of God is given to us. Isn't that amazing? So now, now we're different. I mean, we're different in many ways, but in one way we're different because we have this agape of God in our own hearts. So, so now what? Okay, so now, how, how does this compute? What, what do we do? What do we do now that we have this in our heart? We, now, we could leave it right there and say, okay, I have the love of God in my heart. So whatever I go through in life, I know that he's there for me. It's sacrificial. It's, uh, it's um, uh, selfless. It's unconditional. The love of God is always there for me. And that's wonderful. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, don't you enjoy that? I enjoy that. I don't want to abuse that. You know, Paul makes it very clear. Don't, don't keep sinning so grace would abound even more. Don't do that. But, but I, I love the fact that his love is poured out to me every day. His love, grace, mercy is available for me. But that's not where it ends. The second part of that, those three questions is, now that we have this, what are we supposed to do with it? With each other. You know, you're a believer, you're a believer, you're a believer, I'm a believer, we're all believers. Okay, we, we know we're distinct from everybody else in the world that doesn't have a Savior. We're different, we're saved, we're born again, we're, you know, we're alive in the Spirit, we have Christ in us, we're different. So that makes us a unique group of people, doesn't it? It makes us unique and special. We're the church. But Jesus says something really crucial in John 13, it's on the screen, But he says, look, I'm giving you a new commandment uh, that you you agape one another. Huh? Well, you have the agape of God in your heart, right? You do, you do, you do, you do, you do. Everyone has the agape of God in your heart. Now, you have to agape not only the Father, you have to agape everybody else. This is within the church. Not this, I mean this church, but the church at large. We're all called upon by God to be... To love the people of God. You know, we're called by God to love the people of God. The love of God that came for us is now working through us. So John 13, a new commandment I give you, that you agape one another as I have agaped you. That you also agape one another. By this mutual agape, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you have agape for one another. So this puts a whole, whole nother emphasis on the relationship issue of the body of Christ. Some of us are more easily lovable than others. Kind of get a little amen right there. <laughs> Doesn't matter. We're called to agape everybody. 
whether you, how can I say, whether you like them or not, you got to love them. <laughs> I, I love that person, but I don't really like them. But that doesn't really cut it, really. Not really. But we're called to allow the agape of God that we, God gives us to now work in relationships with each other. Remember the three words. It's sacrificial. It's selfless. And it's unconditional. That's how the agape love is for us. Now he's saying, let that be in your relationships with one another. So now you have a church situation. And we're all called to love with agape, not philia and eros and storhe. But with agape love, love and respect one another. And so that's what makes the dynamic in a church so interesting. That we're all in different places. But God is calling us to love one another and even to, to love each other outside of these four walls. This is minuscule compared to the body of Christ. How about loving those Baptist brothers down the street or those congregationalists up in Plastow or whatever? You know what I mean? They're, the body of Christ is all over the place. We're called to love each other. Now, there will be some differences in opinion. Absolutely. We meet with the clergy every Tuesday. Yeah, we have, we have some differences in how we interpret certain things, but we have no problem with who Jesus Christ is. We have no problem that humanity has fallen and needs a savior. We, we agree on the things that are, uh, that are crucial for us. In fact, I just heard recently, and one of the pastors, we're all what you would say Protestant uh, evangelical pastors. One of the, one of our pastors is a friend with one of the local Catholic priests. So he said, is it okay to bring the Catholic priest to our meeting? And we looked at each other and we said, yeah, why not? <laughs> you know, he, he's, he loves Jesus. And so it's an act of, of just agape love. Being, now, do we agree with everything? No. But we agree that Jesus is Lord and Savior. So this is, a, this is the kind of thing that must take place within the body of Christ. So, okay, so with all of that, then we have the third aspect of this. Which is, okay, now we have, we have the love of the Father in our hearts. We're in good standing with the Lord. We have a love for each other. We have an agape toward each other. You know, a real genuine love and concern for each other. Again, selfless, sacrificial, and unconditional toward each other. But what do we do about the lost outside? You know, some, some years ago, uh, many churches uh, were more or less kind of like clubs. Clubs where they didn't want a whole lot of outside people to come. They had their own little club. And uh, that is definitely not the way to go. Uh, we are to agape them as well. So take your... Oh, we have it on, this, on the slide. Uh, this, so this is regarding God's... His people's love for the world. But in Romans 5.8... I'm sorry. I'm at Matthew 5.44. So Jesus, right from Jesus' mouth... He says, agape your enemies. And I, you know, really, Lord? (laughs) Come on. They hurt me. Well, they didn't hurt you as much as they hurt me. But they talk bad about me. But they didn't talk as bad as they talk about me. But they're up to something. Well, you know, they're not following my plan. But agape your enemies. This is our calling to those outside of the church. Bless those that curse you. Really? Bless them? You want to, you know, and, and it happens. See, the old man would say, let's go. 
But the new man would say, how can I love this person through it? It's a discipline. It's a real discipline. That's why it says in 14, 1 Corinthians 14.1, to pursue love, because you need it. You need it. You have it in the beginning, but you need it every day of your life. And if you're not pursuing love, when those situations happen, you will react in the old man. You will react in a negative way instead of a, a godly way. But love, love your enemy. Agape your enemy. Bless those that curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Really, Lord. I don't want to do good to people who hate me. If they hate me, fooey, I don't even want them in my life. I'm going to unfriend them from Facebook. Come on. You know? Well, do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. Lord, it's hard enough to pray for the things I want to pray about. Now you're asking me to pray for people who use me or or persecute me? And the last part of that is that you may be sons of the Father. In other words, do these things so that you'll demonstrate that you belong to the Father. Belonging to the Father means you received His agape love. You're giving His agape love to the body of Christ, and now you're giving it to those outside of the body of Christ. So... God's love is powerful. God's love is strong enough, like, like what is love? It's strong enough to change the course of a life. Right? Change my life. Didn't it change your life? How many of you have had a life change when you became a Christian? I really did. I had a definite life change. So now that that's good, how can we help those of us who had that life change? How can we help one another grow and our faith and understanding of who we are in Christ. Well, we, we learn together. We grow together. We, sometimes we sharpen iron with iron. And we work together to work things out. And then, so how do, we, how do we apply all of this to those outside of the church? Well, we can't disown people. We can't reject people. We've got to be welcoming to people and share the agape of God with those that don't even know God or don't even care about God who may even hate us because we're Christians. It's a tall order to do that. Okay, so right here is where I ended at the first service. Let let me go to 1 Corinthians 13 real quick. And we'll pick up here next week as well. So chapter 13, I'm going to start reading at verse number 1. And uh, put this in context of of love working within the church. The agape of of God working within the church. and, And see if this doesn't address... We, those of us that are the Pentecostals, the ones that are gifted with the Holy Spirit and and the the gifts of the Spirit. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Now, this is referring to the previous chapter when some of the tongues were for wisdom and knowledge. Some of the tongues were for interpret to be interpreted. So so whatever, whatever gifting I use, but if I don't have love, if I don't have agape with it, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. I'm just a big, loud noise that gets on everybody's nerves. And you know, I've experienced that, actually. Though I have the gift of prophecy, I understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and though I have all faith, one of the gifts in the chapter 12 is the gift of faith, so that I could move mountains, but I, I don't have love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to the poor, reaching out, you know, helping the needy, and though I give my body to be burned as a, as a, as a, as a martyr, but if I don't have love, it profits me nothing. There's no treasure in heaven here because I don't have the agape working. And then he goes on verses four through eight that we read earlier. And then, uh, 
we'll end with 13 and 14. Abide in faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greater of these is love. So pursue love. Pursue love. So I want to talk about how to pursue love, but I'm going to save it for next week. So I'll just end with this, that we have received God's love. Hallelujah. Now let's, let's give that love to one another within the body of Christ. Even those that you may know outside of this church, they're still your brother or your sister. You know? So love people. Now this, this opens up a whole can of worms in a way. <laughs> because I just thought of it now. Because there's other instances in the Bible where in the, in the realm of that love, from a, from a leadership point of view, or from a ministry point of view, I mean, remember a couple of things. Uh... Paul and Barnabas had an argument, sharp dispute among them about taking John Mark. Well, apparently they worked it out in the end because they went their separate ways and brought John Mark back later. Paul and Peter had a sharp dispute about an issue as well. So this doesn't eliminate problems. But what it eliminates is that, that bitter streak that the world has that wants to get even or get hateful over something. This won't eliminate all the problems in the church or in life. It'll just give us a different way to deal with them. So if we can approach, say, a a rebellious brother or sister in love, it will go a whole lot further than reading them the riot act and reprimanding them. So agape has to be played out even in difficult matters when there's rebellion at hand, and there will be. The Bible's full of it, full of that different stories. But I, I really believe, 14.1, that we are to pursue love, pursue agape. And there's ways to do that, but think about it. I would encourage you to read chapter 13 this week and, and part of chapter 14 as well and see how the Lord speaks to you about what you can do to pursue love, pursue agape. So we're going to have to close right here. I feel like I could go on, but I might be, I'll be, I would be rushing it. So we're going to leave it right here. So why don't we stand together?